you're reading through your Bible periodically, I know that you will come across some passages where the statement found there really just clicks and you say, well, that's a good idea. I like the way the writer put it. And when you get to 2 Kings chapter 10, verse 15, and you read that phrase, is your heart right as my heart is right? You know, as you begin to think about that, I want to ask the question tonight, is your heart right? So what do you mean by right? Well, the truth is, is that modern people use the word heart today as a figure just like it was done in the Bible. You see, the Bible doesn't always refer to the heart as that organ in our body that pumps our blood throughout. It uses it as a figure of speech. The word sometimes has some very interesting shades of meaning. Uh, you know, as you sit there and ponder about your heart, you, and you say, well, I love my wife with all my heart. Well, you don't necessarily do that with your blood pump. You, you refer to the various ideas that are being used there. And so when Jehu met Jehonadab and he wanted to know if his heart was right, after I read this in a daily Bible reading and I wrote this down, this is a sermon idea, and you know, you collect thoughts coming along and then you have to go to a doctor and the doctor says, you know, do you have heart disease? You put that on the form when you're trying to give your patient history. And then you think, well, now, what does he mean by the term heart? And then you begin, the sermon begins to mull in your mind to say, well, if you were to ask the question, do you have spiritual heart disease? That certainly will cause a person to think and think, you know, what kind of disease might I have? Just like the physical heart is a vital organ, that is, you know, if your heart stops and quits pumping blood, you're going to die. What about your spiritual heart? Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. We read from Solomon, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Make sure your heart is good and healthy and doing well. Tonight we're going to talk about two things, and... I have debated about changing these titles, but really we want to talk about dimensions of the heart. That is to look at the various way the word heart is used in the Bible. And then the second, I've got directions for the heart. I've changed it around a time or two. This afternoon I thought, well, I'm going to go through and change them all now to diagnosing the heart. Uh, There's so many different ways that you could approach it, but... Let's talk about the dimensions of the heart. If a person goes to the doctor, you may be asked a number of things. And again, as I prepared this, there's so many things that's come along. Going to the funeral of a cousin this past week, we were all discussing about our family history and the fact that those of my family almost always die of heart disease. Some die very young. And as a person begins to try to diagnose what is the cause, Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? If you've got a heart disease, sometimes what you're looking at is a symptom of the disease. 
And then you begin to try to decide what is the cause. A person may say, well, I'm, I'm having shortness of breath. Well, what's the cause of that? Do you realize that when you start thinking about heart disease that it could be related to blood flow? There may be a, a blockage somewhere. It could be related to a valve that is not transferring the blood throughout that organ like it ought to be. And there's even doctors who practice and they deal with the electrical impulses about the, how the heart beats. Is it going to be too fast or too slow or uh, have rhythm problems? You see, as you start trying to diagnose spiritual heart disease, there's so many dimensions of it. And so, how does a spiritual heart work? Well, we're going to go to the Bible and we're going to look and see. First of all, the heart as the intellect. We're going to go through some passages that's going to provide for us a picture of the heart. You know, in Matthew 13 and verse 15, as Jesus is confronting those people who were listening to him, but they weren't really listening. He said, for their hearts of this people have grown dull, and their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts. Understand with their hearts. That means that the heart is something that I can listen to information, process it, and then be able to act upon it, understand it. So sometimes the heart is our means of intellect. In Mark chapter 2, verse 8. But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit, they reasoned thus within themselves. He said to them, why do you reason these things in your hearts? You begin to understand that the intellect, the way that I think, the way that I reason through things is really described as the heart of man. In Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, he said that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart... One believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made into salvation. And you, someone says, well, the heart then there is used differently. No, because verse 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if I hear and then I begin to process, to understand. Now here's where some people come into some difficulty. They hear what the Lord says. There's a message that is there, but like Romans 10 verse 15 says, Lord, who has believed our report? Who's listened to what we've been saying? Sometimes when a person hears God's message, they don't reason properly. They don't think properly. They have a spiritual heart disease. The Bible also pictures the heart as emotions. That is a feeling that one might have. You remember in Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus had been asked about which is the greatest of the commandments. And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. You love. You have, you have a tender feeling toward God. Or John 14, it can be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled 
You believe in God, believe also in me. In verse 22 of chapter 16, Therefore you now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice. It will be happy. You see, our heart has the ability to respond to others with a feeling of appreciation. When Peter and the rest of the apostles stood up and preached in Acts chapter 2, they showed the people on the day of Pentecost that they had crucified, they had slain the Son of God. Verse 37 says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? You know, sometimes when we hear a message, it has an emotional impact on us. I can't tell you how many times that I have seen people hear the word of God. They understand what is being said. And then there's an emotional response in their heart to that. And that is they say, I'm not doing what's right. I need to make some changes in my own life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, Paul writes, For out of much affliction and anguish of heart... I wrote to you with many tears. Sometimes the the heart reflects an an emotional distress. Sometimes it reflects an emotional uh, thrill. You remember about the eunuch in Acts chapter 8. It says the spirit of the Lord called away Philip and the eunuch went on his way rejoicing. So if I have a spiritual heart disease and it is in the emotion, I may not be responding. I may not have the feeling that I ought to have toward God's word or toward his people. Third, the heart as the will. When you go to Acts chapter 11 and verse 23, we read, When he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. Purpose of heart. That is a plan in my mind that says, I'm going to do what God says to do. That's a part of the will of man, a decision-making part. When you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7, Paul's talking about the contribution and how a person ought to give. And he says, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. I've got to have some purpose, some intent, some desire within my heart to be able to do what God would have me to do. Romans 6, 17 God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. You obeyed from the heart. You made up your mind. That's what you're going to do. And then Hebrews 4 verse 12. The passage that to me is so revealing When the writer says, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of the soul and the spirit and of the joints and marrow, and listen, 
and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Thoughts, the mind, the intellect, the intents, that is, the will of man. And so if I have a spiritual heart disease, it may be that I have a problem with carrying through. It may be that I have a problem, that I've got a blockage there that says, I'm not going to do it as a part of the will. But then the Bible pictures the heart also as a conscience. You know what that conscience is. That's that part of man that says what you're doing is right or what you're doing is wrong. When you go to Romans chapter 1 and verse 21, Paul writes, Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Darkened. That is, they could not appreciate right versus wrong. Lest you think that that's not the train of thought that Paul is on. He keeps going in chapter 2 and verses 14 through 16 and says, For when the Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things of the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves, who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and between themselves their thoughts accusing or else excusing them. Their thoughts accusing or excusing. That is when... In my heart, I know I'm doing what is right. My conscience excuses me and says, that's okay. On the other hand, if I am doing what is wrong, my heart says, no, you're not doing what's right. Of course, you know that it's possible for a person to resist that to the point where they are being past feeling. Peter writes... Or, as Paul would say to Timothy, that they have seared their conscience as with a hot iron. Hebrews 4 verse 7 says, Today, after such a long time as it has been called today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. You look through the Old Testament and you find person after person You think primarily of men like Pharaoh who hardened their hearts and said, I don't care what God has said. I have no um, sort of, of conscience attack of doing what I want to do. Perhaps the clearest passage, however, is 1 John 3 verse 20 where John writes, For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Our heart condemns us because we know we've not been walking right with God. Is it possible that I have a spiritual heart disease with regards to my conscience? Yes, it is. To a point where no longer does sin bother me. No longer do I have the good feeling when I do things that are right. Which brings me to the second part of our lesson, and that is directions for the heart. Or if you want to retitle it, diagnosing the heart. 
The spiritual heart determines the behavior of the man. Just like if my physical heart is not pumping as it should, there are going to be some things that will affect my behavior. It may pass out. I may be a person who falls over and dies. Listen to Proverbs 23, 7. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Or Matthew 12, 35. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. What you are in your heart tells what kind of person you're going to be. It'll show up in your actions. Sometimes there's a need to reveal the the bad heart. You go to the doctor and he says, okay, I'm going to put you on this treadmill, make you run real fast, and we're going to check and see whether or not your blood's flowing as it should. You see, there's some people whose heart is not right, and you can see it in the way that they acted. Let me give you a good illustration from Scripture. In Acts chapter 8, when the gospel came to Samaria... You had a a number of people hearing the message. And there's a man by the name of Simon who's a sorcerer. And he's hearing this message and he's seeing what is done. And there's no doubt as to whether or not he is a, a, a man who's obeyed the gospel from the heart. But immediately after that, he sees that the apostles are laying their hands on people and they're imparting to them the ability to work miracles. The Holy Spirit was being given. When Simon sees that, immediately his old life pops out of him. And he says, can I buy that gift so that upon whom I lay my hands, I can impart to him the gift? Notice the response. Verse 18, and when Simon saw that through the laying on the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money saying, Give me this power also that on anyone whom I lay hands may receive the Spirit. Peter said to him, Your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You neither have neither part nor portion in this matter. Now here's the point. Your heart is not right in the sight of God. You see, that's where we actually begin. Is your heart right? Simon, your heart is not right. There's a problem there. There's still greed in your heart. There's still sin in your heart. You've not taken care of it. Let me provide you a second illustration. You remember in Acts chapter 5, there's a couple that had observed what Barnabas had done. The end of Acts 4, Barnabas having a piece of property, sold it, came and laid the money at the apostles' feet. Ananias and Sapphira also had some property. They sold it. They took part of the money and they brought it and laid it at the apostles' feet. When you get to verse 4, Peter says, When it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You not lied to men, but to God. You've developed this idea in your heart. Is your heart right? No, it's not right. 
Greed's in your heart. Glory's in your heart. If you go to Proverbs chapter 6, verses 12 through 14. Solomon said, A worthless person, a wicked man, walks with a perverse mouth. He winks with his eyes, he shuffles with his feet, he points with his fingers. Perversity is in his heart. He devises evil continually. He sows discord. Here's a man who's just looking for every opportunity he can to create problems. To sow discord, to sow division, to create uh, animosity between brethren. Perversity is in his heart. Is his heart right? No, his heart is not right. And thus the Hebrew writer issued a warning. The warning was make sure that you don't allow that kind of heart to develop within yourself. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Could each of us, could any of us, get to the point where we allow sin to creep into us, bitterness to creep into us, hatred creep into us, greed keep creep into us to the point where it takes over who we are and we have a spiritual heart disease. That is the case. Hearts are subject to being deceived. You see, that's what he's trying to say that, you know, you've got to be careful because you don't realize the impact, the effect that this can have. In Deuteronomy eleven sixteen, take heed to yourselves lest your heart be deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. You let somebody else infect your heart, if you will. Now, here's what happens. Someone deceives you. You nurse that wickedness in your heart. You allow it to control who you are. And then it becomes a part of your character. That becomes the way you live your everyday life. It becomes the way you think. Let me take you all the way back to the time of Noah. You see, after Adam and Eve and then Cain killing Abel and then the lineage of Seth coming along and men begin to multiply on the face of the earth, you begin to have a lot of people and there was not a lot of restraint. And Moses records, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. How did we get to the point from Adam and Eve now to the time of Noah that accepting Noah, his wife, his three sons and their wives, everybody else was just wicked and vile. They'd allow sin to get in their hearts and no attempt was made to restrain it. Do you know what's going on in the world today? We live in a world where there's a lot of infectious diseases. 
I've avoided trying to go visit much recently. I've really tried to avoid having to go to the hospital. But when I do, I get those little alcohol rags and I wash my hands with them really good. And then when I get out to the vehicle, you you try to put some more on. You want to avoid any sort of contamination whatsoever. But you know, we live in a world that there's a lot of spiritual contamination. We live in a world with a lot of hatred now. We live in a world with a lot of, of, of vileness. Can it impact who we are? You better believe it can. But you realize that the heart can be made stronger. Just like you can be influenced for wickedness, you can be influenced for righteousness. If you're reading through the book of Exodus, and you get to chapter 35, and it says, Then everyone whose heart was stirred, and everyone whose spirit was willing, brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting, for all its service, for all the holy garments. You read on down, look to verse 26, And all the women whose heart stirred with wisdom spun yarn of goat's hair. Oh, you mean you can have people who, when you provide for them a little bit of encouragement, Take some strength. Yes, you can. Having God's word in our heart is key. Proverbs 40, verse 8. I will delight, I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. That's when you start trying to find some some greatness is when you take God's word and it's starting to provide the daily strength. You know, you're reading through the Bible and you get to the book of Ezekiel. And Ezekiel is told by God, you're going to be dealing with a people whose head is harder than flint. You're going to be dealing with people whose heart is hard. But I want to change my people. When my mother had a heart attack several years ago and then ultimately bypassed surgery, we would go every day into the intensive care unit for the cardiac patients. I was amazed at how many heart transplants there were. You take a beating heart out of a person who's passing away and you take that heart, you reattach it to someone else and you know you get it start beating and then they sew them up and they're doing well. I remember a young black lady, her husband was having a heart and lung transplant. And I said, wow, that is just amazing thing to do. And she said, well, I had that done not long ago. And I'm looking and thinking, you look like you're doing really well. Listen to Ezekiel 18, verse 31. Cast away from you all your transgressions which you have committed and get yourself a new heart and a new spirit for why should you die, O house of Israel? Doctor looked at you and said, your heart is so diseased, you've got to do something different. We've got to have a to heart transplant. You see the change God was calling for. When you get to Ezekiel 36, verse 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will take away the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. God said, I'm going to give you an opportunity to make some real, complete Full change in your life. And now I really begin to appreciate a new lease on life. Here's a person who's been walking around with a diseased heart. Now they have a second chance. 
They've had a heart transplant. Now they've got an ability, if they'll take care of that heart, they'll take care of their lives to live on. Do you know that you've got a second chance tonight? Sin may have invaded your spiritual life. It may be a diseased heart, but you know what you can do? You can say, God, I'm tired of living the life I've been living, and I'm willing to make a change. I want to make a change. To become a child of God, you must believe in Jesus with all your heart. That eunuch in Acts 8, verse 37, if you believe with all your heart you may, and he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You make Jesus the Lord of your life, you'll be surprised how much different your spiritual heart will be. And to remain faithful, you have to keep the Lord in that place in your life. You know, we often quote 1 Peter 3, verse 15 to talk about giving answer. Listen to the first part of that verse. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. You put God in the first place in your life. You'll be surprised what a difference that will make. And so we end the lesson with the same place we began. Is your heart right? And I guess you would be able to surmise what the song of invitation is going to be tonight. Is your heart right with God? You want to become a Christian? Please do so. Come forward. We'll baptize you for the remission of your sins. You want to be restored? We'll pray with you. God is waiting for you. Is your heart right? Would you come as we stand and sing?